What's up, y'all? I'm JJ McCorvey, a journalist who writes about business and blackness. And I'm Shayna Watson, a fashion industry professional and writer with my eyes on the social and cultural impacts of trends and style. And, and this, this is, is Yo business. business. We're back. Hey, y'all. <laughs> how you been? Yeah. We hope you guys listened to our Get to Know Us and got to see, like, how much fools we are. Yes. Um, <laughs> and now we can just, like, get down to the, like, literal business. Yes. Yeah. I really enjoyed those other two episodes because we could just kind of let our hair down um, and be silly, but also I give you a taste of the topics and things that we're interested in and that we hope to be bringing um, to you over many, many episodes and just dive deeper and with interviews and all kinds of topics. Yeah. And that's what I'm excited because we had a, we have a guest this episode. You get some of JJ and Shayna and then you get a real expert talking about expert things. So Mm -hmm. uh, we got a lot in store for you guys. Wait, can we just tell them who our guest is? Yeah. So our guest is Mark Rutledge, who is um, a VP at one of the nation's leading financial data. Leading. Leading. Mm -hmm. If we could tell y'all the company, you would gasp. You would get not gasp, gag. gag. <laughs> um, but he is the head of research product management there. And so he really is going to teach us a lot about how we can find data and information to help lead our savings and mm-hmm. investing and like just the importance of having a financial planner and just mm-hmm. like get a pen and paper, y'all, because he has so many tips. And we were I, like writing it down. I learned so much. I was like downloading apps and stuff while, like while he was talking. Yeah. So uh, you are in for a treat. Yeah. So he'll be up later. And before we get to that, though, we got to get to your business. Yo, tell us, so, <laughs> tell us the business from this week. So first we want to start about Amazon not paying any taxes, like zero dollars in taxes uh, and <laughs> this how much, year. How much did they make? What was on their W-2? Oh, it was in the billion, like billions upon billions oh upon billions. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's interesting. The interesting thing is that a lot of people assume that it's because of uh, Trump's tax law that Amazon was able to not pay um, anything and uh pay anything to the IRS, but that's actually not exactly the case. So Amazon actually was able to take advantage of a lot of loopholes that a lot of big companies um, take advantage of. Uh, For example, um, you know, they took advantage of like a research and development credit um, that you can get uh, that um, the U.S. offers to companies who are investing more into innovation mm-hmm. and, and kind of the development of their technologies and products. Um, and that's just like one of many um, tax breaks they were able to take advantage of. So, yeah, it's actually this time for it's once. Like it has legit. nothing to do with Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like legitimate. Like, I feel like it's we were talking. It's like something that when you have access to the resources that can give you access to the loopholes then like you can get to this place, but yeah. it's like for those of us on TurboTax, yeah, it's not necessarily as evident, right? But but the real gag is not only are they not paying any tax, but they also are getting like a tax refund. <laughs> <laughs> and hold on, are you are you are you like drinking? Or are you yeah? You know, are you bracing? I mean, so let me tell you how much the, the refund is: a hundred and twenty nine million dollars. So a not refund a, after a refund. No I thought a refund was after because paying you pay too many taxes. After paying no taxes on two hundred and thirty-two billion dollars in revenue, two hundred and thirty-two 
listeners, are you listeners the digit? Two hundred and thirty-two billion dollars, <laughs> led by the world's richest man. Uh, um, well, I guess that's how you stay rich. That's how you stay rich. But it, you know, and there's part of me that's kind of you know, as a peasant here right. <laughs> during right. our lowly podcast, there's part of me that is like that is totally like just shows the the gross. Um, inadequacy and corruption of our tax code and our fin- the right. financial systems the here in the U.S. The people it helps. Right. But on the other hand, it makes me kind of want to learn more of those things right. too. And like, this is actually the first time this year that I'll be like actually um, going to some professionals and like people who have like a more advanced um, knowledge of uh, tax breaks and and things that I might um, be eligible for as a freelancer and as someone who is trying to start their own business. Um, so I am like going headfirst into this tax season, like trying to learn all the breaks. And um, I think that's the lesson that we can both take away from totally. from this news. Yeah, is that there's like a system in place. And if we don't know how to play the system, we need to hire somebody that does because yeah. there's ways to do it. Yeah. And you know, I interviewed um, Jeff Bezos years ago um, at, at Amazon's headquarters. And th- was he like riding around on a hover? He was not. He was like, they took me, they escorted me to this like room, like a corner somewhere in the, in the headquarters in Seattle. And I just had to like sit and wait in a room like quietly, but like just with his PR person. And then he just kind of appeared like this, <laughs> this like kind of shortish like bald man um, with like a like button down. He wasn't like as buff as he is now, but you could like see that he was like working on it. He was starting CrossFit. He was starting CrossFit. <laughs> they love So He was starting Tough Mudder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um and one of the one of the things that I mentioned in that article um that I wrote about him for Fast Company, I believe it was, was um how he he wasn't even then he wasn't concerned he knew that Amazon was not making any profits and like all of the things that they were making, he was like investing it back into the business and like the fulfillment centers and building these shipping um and fulfillment centers all over the world so that you could have Amazon Prime from most places in the world, like mm-hmm. wherever you are. You could have two-day shipping, and they could like get more and more customers. And while most people thought, you know, it was crazy for people to keep investing into this company that wasn't making any money, really, it was like he knew all along. Not only am I, is this going to work, and I'm going to dominate retail, but I'm also not going to have to pay any, any taxes, taxes. <laughs> 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 because rev. Um, only profits are taxable. Right. Revenue is, uh, I guess, not you know taxable if you're if you're a business. Um, and yeah, I guess he knew all these things the whole time <laughs> and was taking advantage of them. So um, I think kudos. You know, yeah, kudos, Bezos. All right. So are you ready for your blackface news of the week? There's more. There's all. <laughs> Who knew like blackface was such right? a trend? Blackface is so is really trending in 2019. So oh, it's like at this point, I think most of us have heard about Gucci, the turtle, the blackface turtleneck. But yeah. upon further research, this turtleneck was premiered in Fashion Week last year. Wow. No. Outrage. So it's not new. It's not new at all. But I feel like in, um, you know, what typically happens when a fashion company or any company makes a big faux pas like this, they kind of try to come full circle, talk about the learning and diversity. So what C- the CEO of Gucci flew from Italy all the way to Black Ass Harlem <laughs> to meet with Dapper Dan 
and like Julie Wilson, who is which is like the PR of of, of all like, the PR. You got stars. in your little private plane <laughs> from Milan and flew because Daffodan has all, and I love Daffodan, but like, he why does he have all the answers for like why you but, shouldn't do racist he fashion? Brought together a town hall of like black people to say this is what we need, which is funny because I think that like all the jokes about the black draft and how like. You know, you know your your white friend knows one black person and what thinks that you know them. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is that joke. Yeah. Of like, we did something offensive, so let's ask our black friend yeah. what we should do. Which to like to to more discerning people like us, like to me that make that's even more of an eyesore that you so you do something racist and like um and tone deaf and so then you go to your to the one black to person. To do the emotional work that for you, you that wait, but that you just started hiring oh, yeah, after like years of like him. trying to sue him out of existence, yeah. which you know, he was yeah, kind I mean, of fitting, he was counterfeit, but, but he was doing it for the culture. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets a pass. And I think but, it was really Fendi that went after him really hard, to be honest, but Gucci still, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so now they're like, Oh, we have that guy now. Yeah. Uh, that we have a good relationship with let's go to him yeah. to start us a, a, a town hall like, i'm not racist i went to harlem and dapper dan is my friend yeah but this... so he like had a town hall and they discussed what the brand needed to do to truly reform and to be honest i read somewhere what their list of demands were but i just rolled my eyes so hard i forgot i like rolled it right out of my head yeah. but it was just like <laughs> you gotta hire this many percent black people and i'll get to that because i feel like diversity you hiring black people is not the only answer. Right. And. But is there a pathway for them to Is there a pathway? Do they make any decisions? Mm -hmm. And then also, this is my push, and this is like what I do in the fashion industry, like trends. Like you need data. You need trend analytics to tie back to who your customer is so you Mm -hmm. can just be smarter about this Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, with every one of these comes a very like, to me, blind protest where like, 50 cents out here burning his already paid for Gucci. It's like, they already have your money. They don't care what you right. do with Which it. Which was like, what, like is the, the Nike and Kaepernick yeah, thing? Like, <laughs> but you paid for this already. You're not going to the store and stealing it and yeah, burning it. Good job, 50. Yeah, so then um, that that happened. And then Prada, who I think this happened like a couple months ago, had those like little blackface monkey keychains. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> now they hi- they have a diversity council with like, Ava DuVernay and <laughs> the Esther Gates, who is an artist, like together as a panel to advise on diversity inclusion. So it's like because she did Selma, because she did Selma and <laughs> that prison movie. And he's a black artist that talks about black. Like, I'm just so confused. Mm. And I, I pulled like L.com wrote an article and they were like, you know, this is an effort to elevate the voices of color within the company. But it's like, those people didn't work for your company. She's a director. Right. And it's like, so then what about the actual black people in your company? Right. Did, um, can you, because they're not PR enough. They're, they're right. not PR worthy enough. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, what a token. Yeah, that's it, that's gross. It's very weird. Um. Uh. So yeah, so there was that. And then Burberry followed suit. Um. I think it was Milan Fashion Week. They had a hoodie that had... The ties of the hoodie was like tied as a noose. Which for one, I, I did see that. And it's also like not only is it like obviously dumb and like um just super offensive, but also it was ugly as hell. <laughs> they usually so are though. Who's like walking around with a hoodie and a with they a would've. noose on it? They would have. What? But you know, and I feel like at this point you have to wonder, is this on purpose? Like, do you because think of we're talking about Burberry when we weren't before. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I've I've heard that argument too, and 
my question is then that's this is not exactly good press though. But, like so but so no what press, free press is good press, I would think. I don't think that's necessarily true. Like R. Kelly's not getting good press right now. Jussie Smollett's not getting good press who we have to mention maybe a, a little <laughs> later. But <laughs> it's sad. it's really sad. It's really sad. Um but yeah, I just I, it makes me wonder like people I, I think that says something about the individual, the consumer. If you're like, ooh, Burberry did a a, a racist hoodie, I need to go buy a a, a coat. But a trench. we already know that controversy sells. So you think it's just like name the, the name recognition reminder, like And the people that just love to be anti anything hmm. that will go and run and support Burberry when they wouldn't have before. Yeah. I don't well, know. I, I have to think that there's a reason other rocks. than just that, like, everybody is still so dumb in 2019. Yeah. I. This isn't... No? No. I, I mean, I hear you. And it, that 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 might be um, the case. And as, as I said, like, I've heard other people, like, kind of uh, argue that as well. I just, for me, I just don't... Not only, like... What kind of consumer must you be where, like, that kind of press, like, encourages you to buy from the brand? Mm-hmm. But also, like, how, like, just kind of calculated and uh, just sociopathic must, oh, yeah. you, like, your, that company leadership be if they're thinking, ooh, let's, like, perpetuate racial, racial stereotypes for money. Right. Oh, you but know? it wouldn't yeah. be the first time they benefit <laughs> right. off of our oppression. It's like, that's why we, like, deserve a kickback at some yeah. point And, like, where's our reparations? Right. But... Like, are y'all trying to, like, give us a percentage of, of the cut right, from these new uh, hoodies? Like, invoking trauma in us <laughs> right, from this. Because, right. like, I want to kick back. Yeah. So. Speaking of reparations, <laughs> please, that's a good fact. Please, please speak about reparations. <laughs> so, I don't know if you noticed, but um, reparations is back on the table, it seems. Like, what year are we in? <laughs> Blackface reparations? Yeah. What year uh, are we in? Uh, 19, 19, 18, 18, 19. Um, no. So, yeah. So it seems that a lot of the people who are running for president on the Democratic ticket in 2020 are starting to include reparations for black folks on, uh, into their platform. And I definitely wanted to talk about this because one, my mind was blown. Like even the headline, I think the New York Times was the first to report on the story. But even the the headline just kind of made my eyes bulge a little bit because I was just like, "Are you serious?" Like I, I think the last like really big newsworthy uh, piece that I remember about reparations was uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates's uh, "The Case for Reparations" uh, that he did for the Atlantic, where he kind of like laid out meticulously why they could be and like what we need, like, yeah, what they look like. And right? of course, nothing came from that. And like as far as I know, um, and no policy or whatever. But suddenly, um, which I guess is uh, is kind of what this New York Times piece kind of tries to get to, get at. Um, a lot of um, a lot of Democrats have kind of picked it up and maybe explore like what it looks like and like who exactly are they trying to court, you know, um, voter wise with these with this policy um, or with these um, with these policies, plural. So I don't know what what are your thoughts about it? So so we have so let me just um, quick delineation of what each what the candidates are saying. So first, there's uh, Elizabeth Warren. 
Um, she had she said she supported reparations for Black Americans impacted by slavery. Um, she didn't have like details at the moment, um, but she talked about redlining, um, and she also introduced a childcare proposal that would mostly benefit minority communities that don't um, often have. Uh, a lot of early childhood services. And then there's Kamala Harris, who we talked about in our earlier Get to Know You (laughs) episodes, um, who has basically, you know, you know, uh, put it out there in plain terms that... I mean, and she makes the greens for her family's holiday party, so... Right. Also, what she said, she she told a breakfast club that she uh, smoked weed, uh, listening to Tupac and And Biggie. Yeah. Oh, Tupac and Snoop, right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, we don't go there. Um, So, yeah, so the quote from her uh, with the times that she provided uh, was, we have to be honest that people in this country do not start from the same place or have access to the same opportunities. True. I'm serious about taking an approach that would change policies and structures that make real investments in Black communities. And, you know, I'm down with all that. My... My question is, what what does it say about our climate today when it comes to race and politics that suddenly this is now OK to be on the table? Because I don't I don't think that Barack Obama, you know, as black as he was mm-hmm. or that we or that we think he was or is and that the first family was. Um, I don't think that he uh, supported reparations. So well, wh- why now that, that every black person feels we should get them? Mm hmm. Um, I, I don't know. This surprised me, to be honest, that especially, like, <laughs> Elizabeth Warren and Kamala were, like, the the ones speaking up. But mm-hmm. um, I just, I don't think this will ever come to fruition. Because yeah. it's like, oh, then what? So then are we getting blood tests to determine if our descendants are yeah. slaves? Mm-hmm. And then what about black fishing? And what about passing? And what, you know what I mean? Like, it mm-hmm. just gets... Very tricky. And that, then to uh, me, that Richard Dolezal might go try to right. get reparations. And she might, because she like always has a kinky <laughs> twist in and it's like hard to tell. Right. But it's like Right. But it's like at what point are we then straddling back a line of like apartheid era mm-hmm. where we are like putting a pencil through your hair and if it goes through then you're not black enough and you don't get right. You know what I mm-hmm. it, to me it feels very dangerous, slippery slope. Yeah. And so like you don't deserve reparations, but you but I do. But you I know, do, yeah. right. Yeah. And it's like I you know, I did Ancestry DNA and I'm 75% African, according to it, and 25% Eastern European. Mm-hmm. And so, but at some point, the 75 African, I assume, were descendants of slit. And so it's like, what? who get, yeah. do I get who 75%? Yeah. Like, I'm like, you know, I just think it turns into an interesting thing. And um, uh, some awful person on Fox News was saying something that like, of course, I disagree with the sentiment, but he was just like, Slavery was abolished a century and a half ago. Nobody alive today has grandparents who were slaves. And so it's like, number one, America, it's like, duh, we're still talking about this because we never got. Yeah. We, ne- we never even. You never we, made up for right, the. We for the sometimes have acknowledgement that it happened. Right. You think that some slaves were like happy to be slaves. Yeah. So, um, but, but I do feel like we might have just missed the point that it could be a real thing. Right. Because of all the. Because of all the additional controversy and the difficulty of like kind of figuring it out, right. like what like what it would look like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, my 
my word on it is that I just don't think it's real, but I do think it's interesting that it's something that we're talking about in the New York Times in 2019. For sure. I think, uh, before we move on, I, I just think that, um, I think uh, it is good that proposals are being uh, put on the table to address, like, an inequality um, and the wealth gap, you know, between, like, white families right. and black families. Like, the just the average, like, uh, the gap in income and... and um, and health disparities and all that. Um, so maybe if they were more, if they were put on the table in that way, like let's right. make up for this gap that yeah. exists right. today. I can stop using the word reparations. Stop it. Yeah. yeah. And like maybe, yeah, maybe, and not, and not say at all that we should not, you know, talk about slavery and the impact of it. Right. No. But maybe it will be easier to um, implement and, and also. This these things will have to get passed, you know, through the Senate and House, I, I right. imagine. So it will make it easier to pass and more palatable for a more moderate. Right. Because as long as we use the term reparations, which is connected to slavery, then they have the rebuttal that slavery was abolished how exactly. long ago. And it's just like if we talk about the fact that in 2019, slave or not, I my family's making five dollars to the white family's a hundred dollars. Exactly. Then that's what we need to talk about now instead of like slavery is a is always at the root, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's still happening today. Slaves yep. are not. Yeah. Yeah. It's still, it's still happening today. And a lot of the, you know, sometimes I just think about, you know, as we talked about earlier, like some of the, just the institutional knowledge of like tax codes and mm-hmm. like, and, and, and wealth, um, uh, saving and putting aside things and like what accrues interest and uh, credit and like bank accounts, which we'll get to later with our interview for this episode. Um, a lot of that we just started from scratch, yeah. like you know, a hundred, you know, more than a century ago. Yeah. So um, a lot of that has does have to be addressed. I just I, I think about that a lot, just like how we're literally started from scratch. Is part of the reason why you know this this podcast is even needed, right? Because a lot of this, um, the language, you know, yeah. we're not taught, you know, as a lot of us are not taught um, as uh, young people, right. you know, coming up by our parents. Oh, yeah. I think it's a good conversation to have and maybe we'll get, I don't know, like our student loans forgiven or something. I would take that. Well, praise God that I don't have any. Oh, that's nice. I have <laughs> So I'll take it. All right, so that's all for Yo Business this week. Um, And next up, super, super excited. We're going to have our guest, and he's going to drop all the bombs, all all the knowledge. Um, So take out your pen and paper because you will learn a lot. Get ready, y'all. See you in a bit. Okay, we have our first expert here today. He's like a guest, but also an expert. And um, we're super excited to have him. Mark Rutledge is in the building. In the studio. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Mark, besides being like a very good, very close friend of mine, um, Mark is the the VP. The uh, 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 and the (laughs) VP, um, head of research and product management at one of the nation's leading financial institutions. So he knows his stuff. He's been doing it for a a minute. He knows a little bit and he's going to teach us a little bit, thankfully, because we know very little. Mark, my first question for you is, uh, you know, as millennials, 
a lot of us are kind of just now getting into the finance game. Right, right. And learning how to save and invest and um, and get into the stock market and plan for our futures. Um, so based on your work, what do you think some of the biggest hurdles are for young people kind of getting into investing? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so the company that I work for is a financial services information company, and I think that the biggest hurdle and the most important place to start with any type of financial management, investing, is information. Um, that's what moves the market. People who invest at all levels, people who uh, issue securities and instruments into the market for others to invest in, people that are looking at moving money, it all starts with information. You have to know where capital is. You have to know how much capital you need. You have to know if you're investing, how much capital you have to leverage. And you have to know where that capital is going to yield the best results. So I think for myself, I'm always trying to grow my knowledge. And I really uh, started just picking around and looking at things that I was interested in in general. And I still do that. I just try to stay informed, try to find where there are good sources of of details around companies, around how investment processes work, and really learn from there. Let me just start out by saying that I'm not a certified <laughs> investment <laughs> professional. But what? I've been asking you my finance questions <laughs> since college, so. Because <laughs> you were trying to get, you were, you were already thinking about how can I save? Yes, because I got nothing. How can I get the Right, how can I save on $5? Exactly, exactly. Digest, daily digest. Yes, please. But sorry, go ahead, disclaimer. But, but you know, so, I, I I just want to really emphasize that I actually think a great place to start is meeting with a certified financial planner and or certified financial advisor because what you can do there is you can say, this is how much money I have, this is how much money I make, this is how much I can save, and they can help you plan out what your goals are. If your goal is to invest for, you know, having money to give you more disposable income for traveling, they can help you do that. If your goal is to buy a house, a car, invest and pay off debt, they can uh, help you do that. And that type of information is very valuable. So I am not that. So nothing do you else. have one? I do. I actually it's interesting. And this is an area where you can especially find um, and really support black talent and black entrepreneurship because most financial planners are individual um, franchise holders within a larger company. So nationwide, um, for example, or large companies like Fidelity, they'll have individuals that are in and of themselves their own business and they're under the umbrella of these large uh, brokerage firms. Uh, And are those services, um, would people consider them affordable? And like, what's the the fee structure like? Um, So they can be affordable for starting out. I think you have to go in with an open mind and talk to them and assume that it's an investment in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So everything is an investment. Um, and the fee structure is usually based on, you know, how, what you're actually having them do. So if you're having them, for example, take a stockpile of savings that you have, you say, I want to grow this $150 savings by 10% over the next five years, they're going to come up with a plan of what type of investments to make, what type of instruments. There's 
a number of different types of ways to invest in the market. There's stocks, which I know is what everyone always talks about right. because that's what gets the most prominence mm-hmm. on the news. But actually, <clears throat> funny enough, the debt capital markets are the larger portion of the overall capital market. What's a debt capital Yeah, what that? What, what that is. <laughs> what that? Um, so the difference between stocks and or equities and debt or bonds is really important. Stocks or equities are buying a share or a portion of ownership for a future growth of mm-hmm. an entity, a company, um, a specific good like a commodity mm-hmm. or future, say, corn. Corn? Corn. Corn. Both of you investing in corn because, you know, with in these times, I you mean, never know what the price of corn is High fructose be. corn syrup is Look, in everything. And they literally invested in everything. That's they, genius. They, Put it in everything. So if you're, so you know, you're essentially investing on the future value of a good in that instance. Um, the debt side bonds are essentially just that you're investing in debt. So a company or a company wants to build a new plant. They don't want to use the cash on hand. The plant's going to cost like $30 million. They're going to, based on how much cash they have, what their financials look like, they're going to issue a bond into the market. Mm-hmm. This is just fundamental basics. And then that bond can become a part Basic. of it. Like, 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 yeah, this, this is, is like kindergarten. This is, wanna, yeah. this is, this is like debit whatever for, for dummies. <laughs> <laughs> 101, get, right. cat, get money 101, get money Yeah, that's what we want. Yes. Um, and so that debt, that they issue into the market, they're looking for investors to bring the capital that covers that, what did I say, $30 million? Mm-hmm. Those investors are saying, I'm going to give you this money, but I'm expecting a certain return mm-hmm. on this debt based on interest, based on the company's own financial profile, how how like likely they are to pay, be able to pay off that debt. And in reality, debt investing is a much more longer term lucrative mm. can be a much more longer term lucrative mm. uh, 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 investment instrument. The benefits of meeting with a financial planner and then once you get you know very comfortable and there are a lot of other ways where you can self-invest, you, you actually want to have a mix of both. You want to have a portfolio. You know how they always say diversify your bonds, diversify your portfolio. Yeah, they always, they always be saying they that. They always be saying that. <laughs> every, every day. I every, day. Day. every day. At happy hour, All every day, day on the I train. I said at Dunkin' Donuts. Right, right way. across the right street across at street. Dunkin'. He said diversify your portfolio. <laughs> he was like, let me get a glaze right. and a chocolate. Diversify and diversify this. my portfolio. Diver- they diver- always portfolio. be saying that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so does that mean getting a mix of what you're investing in or getting a, a mix in the way that you're investing? Oh, actually, it's a little bit of both. Okay. It's fundamentally, diversifying your portfolio is about spreading out your risk. The whole, the whole thing is about risk. You, you, you have to go in, and this is where, again, to the earlier point about information, you have to go in knowing how much risk you can tolerate, both personally and financially. Mm-hmm. This sounds like dating. It is. Oh, no, it is oh, dating. Oh, It absolutely is dating. Either, <laughs> I don't know which one is riskier. I guess it just depends. <laughs> it just depends. Right. But, you know, look, look, I'm recently engaged. I can tell Yay. you the risk of dating gives great reward. I'm sure you I'm sure you feel I that feel way, that reward. Kate? I feel very rewarded. Yes. Shout out to Dr. Kate. Yes. But, <laughs> Doctor. Doctor. Yes. Um, but, yeah, you, you know, I had to look and I had to find, right. like, 
where I wanted to invest time and energy for a relationship, it is exactly the same for mm-hmm. stocks. You have to, you're building a relationship with these instruments for your future. Um, and so if you're thinking in terms of wanting to have money set aside, there are a lot of different ways that you can do that. And that's the diversification, mm-hmm. right? You want to have a little, you don't want to put all your money in stocks because then these individual stocks are going to go up and down and you won't have a way to basically balance out to make sure at the end goal, at the end you get a return. Yeah. So, so you, um, you talked earlier about making sure that you're, that you stay up on the data and, you know, finding places to get information from about companies, right. And, and market trends. Can you talk about some of the places that you get that data from? Right, because I'm constantly on Instagram. Like, is it there? <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> is data, it on the Twitter? Data on Instagram has been very diversified too in different ways. Um, I don't know about those instruments. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's it actually is on Twitter. Twitter is a good place, I think, for kind of being in conversation with people. You mm-hmm. get to see uh, and hear, read kind of follow trends or topics that are related to companies, uh, industries, and sectors. Mm -hmm. So I actually use Twitter quite a bit for, that's actually where I go and I have a lot of like accounts that I follow and even hashtags that I follow Mm -hmm. specifically around certain financial areas of information. Oh, that's really smart. Hashtag capital markets, hashtag new investments, hashtag IPOs, hashtag mm. where the money at. Mm-hmm. You dropping these bag. gems. <laughs> uh, listeners, I hope you're taking Yes, out. I hope you are <laughs> currently following all of these hashtags. And I think for millennials, like, so I love, uh, I've always loved the capital markets. I've always loved finance. It was like I was a nerd kid who just always wanted to work in finance. Mm-hmm. And what I found, what I loved about it was even though I actually studied public policy, capital markets is everywhere. It underlies and underpins everything we do. And the sidewalks you walk on every day were paid for by someone probably investing in the cement company mm-hmm. and then the city having to go out and put a bond in the market to pay for procuring the cement company to right. build and actually construct right. a sidewalk. So it's not like the company just like had had it on deck right, and like right, to, right. to pave that, that uh, sidewalk. Yeah, and like fundamentally when you think about how much it literally constructs literally and figuratively every part of our society, it you can't get away from it. And so it's always... Interesting to me that we are not all more well-informed because it is a part of everything we do. Um, I go to Financial Times a lot. Mm-hmm. FT.com. Uh, yeah. FT.com is my go-to pretty much every day. I start out in the morning. Like, when I get to work, I jump on FT.com. The Economist, especially for understanding global markets, mm-hmm. The Economist is a great source because... They talk about all of the topics related to finance, not just banks and financial institutions. They talk about how issues in politics, social issues come to bear. For specific investment instruments, I go to a website called barchart.com. Barchart? Barchart. B-A-R-C-H-A-R-T. Are we going to send out notes after? Are we gonna do right no, they, they better be, they they better be writing right it down. <clears throat> Get your pens ready. So bar chart is my go-to because, so this is kind of my process, right? I'm reading an article. I see company X has invested 
uh, a cash infusion in company Y. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why company Y? Mm-hmm. What is company Y doing that company X, who's a much larger company and has their own share of the market already, what are they doing over here that they feel like, oh, we need to go ahead and give mm-hmm. cash over here and get a foothold, 50% ownership in this company, mm-hmm. this smaller emerging company. Mm-hmm. So then I go, I, maybe I read that on FT.com, um, news of the day. Then I go and I look at company wise, I go to their website and I look at their most recent um, earnings reports. So I would say one aspect of the information is getting very comfortable reading financials. Mm. It's not mm-hmm. something that comes intuitively, but once you get more comfortable with it, you actually begin to see like, oh, well, these are the points of a financial uh, sheet that matter. Right. And tell me something about this company. Mm-hmm. Where do they have cash issues? Where do they have potential profit? Are they a long-term profitability model or is it very short-term and they're going to have to eventually find a way to either get bought out or get get investment um, from some other source? Mm -hmm. Then I look at, okay, then I go to bar chart and I look at what the market is saying about the company. And bar chart is great because they essentially aggregate uh, opinions and research from analysts at different uh, asset management and investment management firms. And they give you kind of a scorecard for specific companies that are publicly traded or exchange traded funds, mutual funds. And you can kind of see, okay, well, in the medium or the short, medium and long term, this is what analysts are saying this instrument will do. Is it a good buy? Is it a is it a sell in the medium term, but a buy for the long term? And I love having that like kind of aggregated dashboard right mm. there. To is bar chart free? Bar chart is free. Oh, okay. Wow. Bar chart is free. This is, my ears. this is where we You're dropping gems. Right. This okay. is I'm, like, I'm glad. you really Avenger, are Avenger style. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bar chart is free and bar chart even has an app. I have I have been out at, I'm downloading. I have been out at stores and I have seen new products. And I'm like, how did this one brand get an entire aisle mm-hmm. in Target? That I, and I've never heard of this brand. And it then you turn it turns out they're a brand underneath an umbrella company. Mm-hmm. And I found the umbrella company on Bar Chart and found out that they are like a brand new company that just got it publicly traded. And then once you find out that information about the parent company, then what? Like what do you do you take that to your financial advisor mm-hmm. and say, I want to be a part of Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I say like how much do I have to put into this company? Like mm-hmm. you So know, you do your own research to mm-hmm. Okay. And that's just my, I do it for fun. Like, I just enjoy kind of seeing. I would say don't invest for, don't invest money that you don't, that you couldn't potentially lose. That's kind of always mine. Mm. Right. And you don't have to invest a ton of money. Um, another good site that I like is a company is called Motif, M-O-T-I-F. Mm. And what they focus on is IPOs. So not the big IPOs, not mm. the a lift. Company, a company that's about to go public. Yeah, mm. a company that's about to go public that's in an emerging sector like, you know, biotech, like blockchain, mm-hmm. blockchain technologies, new emerging technologies and sectors. But they don't, they're not companies that, like, you're going to hear about necessarily, like, on the news. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see it on, like, non-financial services specific. But getting in on IPOs that are valuable is a great way to, I think, start at a low price point. Uh. But you have to find, you have to do a lot of work to make sure that they're companies that are actually going to be profitable. Yeah. The fi- your financial advisor, financial planner can give you sound advice 
on how to really ascertain that and determine that. And then also there are investment professionals that focus specifically on those types of instruments and they're very well informed. They you have to usually pay a commission, mm-hmm. but if you're doing like high volume trading then then it's worth it to engage with them. So I want to get a sense of the the actual cost or or not cost but like the range of um what makes a like a a reasonable investment. So say for example, I know that a company is about to go public or or um I, and I, and I think that it's going to, you know, be a, a successful IPO, right? right? Um and that they're going to keep generating returns later on down the line. What is like the the cost to entry there? Like as far as like how much money right. like, I'm, if I'm I have $100, right. is that something I could get started with or is there kind of a certain amount you need to play in the game? Um, So it kind of depends on where the company is valued because that's going to then determine, you know, how much they're going to go public per share. Um, I'd say 150 to 250 is the minimum threshold. Okay. To, especially for like uh, something like an IPO. And I say that because you want to get enough to actually see growth of an investment in a stock in a company. But also, that then covers... A lot of times now, what you can do is have the commission fees kind of covered in the transaction. That's one of the benefits of now a lot of trading happening and and transactions taking place from an end-user-directed technology platform where you can just go in and put in a code uh, for a ticker, a stock ticker for a company, find them, and you buy it through the fiduciary uh, site. Mm-hmm. They're basically processing and managing the transaction for you. They're holding the funds for you, um, but you don't have to. You just pay them like a commission fee. Okay. So it's not. I'd say 150 to 250 to start. Okay. And then were you when you? I mean, I assume you like came out the womb making money, but whenever, I did not, <laughs> I did not. whenever you were like just starting out making 40, 50 k a year, was this how? Were you doing this with? Your income, or was this kind of as you got further along in your career? I wasn't, but I wish I would have. You been. wish you would have started yeah. back then. I could, and I now I know I could have. Right. Um, I always remember I worked for a consulting firm, and I got a signing bonus, and I was like, "Signing bonus? You, y'all gonna pay me just to, <laughs> just to pay to me? Sign? Y'all gonna pay me so you can pay me <laughs> later?" <clears throat> I was like, "Well, sign me up." Right. <laughs> Hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um. I really, like, spent that money. I saved some of it, but I really should have been saving it in a more longer-term way, right? So they're saving money by having it in, like, a commercial savings account. Then they're saving money in a longer-term view, which is where you use an instrument like a certificate of deposit, a CD, mm-hmm. or a money market fund where your return is actually based on the bank being able to hold that cash, or in the case of money market, it's your return is based on it going into their um, investment um, vehicles. And then you get some of the return from that investment return into your own interest on the fund. So you get a much higher return on the money that you just have sitting there. Mm -hmm. I should have done that then. Um, I did on the second go around. I did that when Mm -hmm. I got another signing bonus with a company and, 
I was I ended up not going to that company, so I had to pay back the signing bonus. But then I got to keep the return. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's I, so yeah. smart. Yeah. yeah, we learn and we grow. Right. <laughs> we grow and we grow our funds. Amen. We learn and we Ashe. grow. Right, because that's what I feel like. The reason I ask is because. Similar to, I think, what JJ was asking, there was a time when I was just like, I don't have that kind of money to be trying to be this smart with it. Like, I'm trying to pay my bills and then put in a savings account what is left. So I never really thought about the bigger picture and this saving on a macro level. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's good to hear that it's like these 45K when it's like our first job out of school, we should still be trying to focus and pay attention on, like, how to save smartly. Absolutely. And really knowing what is available is the first step, but also feeling confident in the fact that human beings created these instruments. So as a human being, you can tackle them. Like, I think there's this perception that finance is this, and financial services is very far away. And for a lot of us, you know, we don't necessarily grow up with that language being spoken in the home. And right. I work I work in an industry where a lot of people do. <clears throat> and I came to realize, like, oh, wow, they know this because this is what their parents talked about. Mm, right. It's table. been passed it's on. It's been passed on generation, from generation to generation. And I remember my grandfather used to say, my grandfather was only educated to the third grade from in Alabama, migrated from Alabama to Detroit to work at, a, at General Motors. And he used to always say, save your money. My grandfather, I don't care whatever it was, if I got money from him and my grandma for more than lawn, he would just would give me the money and say, save your money. Um, and that just always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. So once I started making money, um, and I still am not like by any means like balling out of control. Yeah, you are. Don't play with me. You're Yeah, you are. Y'all, don't listen. He's so humble. You literally have vice president in your title. (laughs) Stop it. I'm the vice president, so right. Know, there's room to there's go. Room to there's go. You know, it's also relevant because, like, what's a lot? I'm sure, like, what's a lot of money to us? He's just like, no, nah, I'm good. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> I, I ain't really making that much. And yeah, right. We, we were well, I remember that. when you were AVP, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, okay, what's next? And you're like, VP, VP. right? Uh, <laughs> it's just yeah. like the, the next step the is next, yeah. the next step. We keep climbing, right? Yeah, yeah. We keep you let me in the building. Um, I'm 34. Wow. Right. I think, yeah, I'll, I'll be Young, alive. gifted, and right. black. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it's at. Yes. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Okay, so what can you leave us with? Us and them. I feel like I've learned a ton. Like, I want a grown and sexy bond. I yes, wanted to yes. have matured, yeah. like, gone to therapy, gotten <laughs> itself together. Gotten itself together, yeah. Right. Um, and what, like, what's your parting words for those of us that want to do better with our money? I would say getting rich is a sprint. Building wealth is a marathon. Say it. Mm-hmm. Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> say it again. Say it again for the, the people in the back. Getting rich is a sprint. Building wealth is a marathon. Yes. So be ready to plan out and know going into it that you have to have a plan for the long haul. But make it fun, too. Like, find things that you're interested in. I <clears throat> am always interested in technology. I'm really interested right now in the cannabis, the growing cannabis and hemp markets. Mm-hmm. Um, find the things that interest you and invest there. And also, 
there are so many channels now for socially responsible investing. And I think for our generation, that's especially profound. Um, environmental, social, and governance models will really be able to change the world by changing how capital is distributed and where capital moves and incentivizing being a good player by incentivizing being able to get access to capital for these large companies or entities based on where the investors go. Mm -hmm. So you could also find space to do really good with your investing model as well. Well, this has been yeah, so you're a awesome. real one. I feel like you're I've, a real one, Mark. I've learned I'm so just, much, you know, in this one thirty-minute combo. You know, pay it forward. Yeah, no, we uh, really appreciate because, like you said, like this was never talk in my house growing up. Like, oh, yeah. my dad keeps his money in a box in the house, so it's like this idea of like letting your money make money. Yeah. I have no concept of that, so. It's super helpful. Cool. Thank you, Mark. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Get your business together. Yes. Excited for y'all. <laughs> so now we're on to our next segment, our last segment, which is LLC. And that stands for Learned, Loved, Canceled. It's a segment of our show every week where we're going to tell you just what we learned, loved, canceled, all of the above um, from the week. So I'll go first. <laughs> My LLC, and this is going to be controversial, so hold on to your panties. My LLC this week is Black History Month. Interesting. Like I, All of them? Yeah. Your love, learn, and yep. cancel? I want to learn it. I want to love it. But I also, I want to cancel. Uh-oh. I want to cancel how we approach it. And okay. I want to cancel the fact that Black History Month seems to have turned into this time when we want to be hyper aware and hyper African print and hyper. It's just like, we're black all day, every Mm -hmm. day. And the fact that we feel that we have to make this month count Mm -hmm. to me is like letting it win that we don't, that that the rest of the months we're not black history month. Not being our full black ass selves the rest of the year. Right. And so I just like, for some reason, this black history month, I got a feeling that, because some of the things that happened in fashion, people are like, oh, not for black history month. And it's like, Blackface is bad all the time. Right. Not just this Not month. just, right. And it's just like, <laughs> I just like don't want, I don't want us to take this month because it used to be a week. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to take this month and just like take it as penance and say like, okay, thank you for giving me this month to be my true, authentic black self. Right. And then move on to March. Right. So like, that's what makes me thanks. want to cancel it. Right. What makes me love it is that I just love being black so much. Like when we were at an event at our church on Friday and the kids were just dancing to say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. And everybody was so beautiful. Like we were just so gorgeous. And so that's what I love about it. Yeah. And what I learned is that even the things that feel not great for our community, like R. Kelly, can be such a win. Yeah. Like, that felt like such a Black History Month win for him to be arrested. For sure. Finally. Yeah. And we can almost be not, I mean, because there are still some fools out there. So not unanimous, but we can all celebrate that together. Yes. Yeah. And And like, our girl, maybe our girls will be safe from that one at least. For sure. Yeah. So I have just a learned and a loved. um, I think with the, you know, I think we, we took care of the canceling. In this episode, as we do in a lot of our right. <laughs> conversations, um, but I learned um, that we still need laws to protect our hair. Yeah. Um, so this past week, uh, New York um, officially banned discrimination based on hairstyles. This uh, week. <laughs> 
2019, again, to your point, like, Black what History year are we? Month. Is it was the, were they trying to commemorate? I think that's what I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't even think about it when I first saw the headline, but yeah, possible. Um, and it basically means that employers and landlords and even principals and gym owners and um, all, all these institutions uh, cannot, you know, tell um, people how to wear their hair. You know, I mean, I think it's broad. It's broad, like based. You know, it just says like based on hairstyle, but um, but obviously this will mean that African Americans, you know, if they're told by these people that you know uh, we have to wear our hair a certain way to work or um, or go to school and just live our lives, basically, that they'll, now they'll be subject to penalties and even like civil damages if they like harass or threaten to fire us um, <laughs> based on how our hair looks. And I just. To me, I think I tweeted, like, you know, I, I moved here, you know, 10 years ago from Mississippi, and I had, like, you know, pretty long um, locks um, when I moved. And, like, never, thank, thank God, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that I never had to, like, fight for my own hair, yeah. you know? Um, and, like, I was never told that I had to, like, do certain things with it, you know, to, to conduct an interview with, with somebody or, like, to go to a meeting or host a panel or something. Um so I guess, you know, and that's maybe that's speaking from a, a little bit of privilege for myself, you know, and yeah. how we have to, like, kind of think about where we come from and, like, versus other people who do have to deal with those kind of policies. But I tweeted that I've been doing I've been here for 10 years and I didn't know this was still needed. You know, so that's what I learned <laughs> this past week that um, in order for employers and people in power to not you know, treat us badly because of, because how we wear our hair, because our hair has different texture and we can do different things with it that other people can't do that in order to be protected from that, that New York had to actually put a literal law in place um, uh, to protect us. And so, yeah, so here we are, 2019, yeah. and still needing that. So that's my learned. And therefore, loved real quick. I just, I've finished uh, the new Netflix show, Russian Doll. and I've heard a lot about that. It's really, really good. And at first, I was like, what the hell am I watching? Um, and I don't want to spoil it, but to keep it brief, like, it's about this woman who was played by Natasha Leon. She's, like, in her 30s, and she um, uh, keeps waking, she keeps dying and waking up in the same place that uh, in the same exact place. So she dies in different ways, but every time mm-hmm. she wakes up from dying, mm-hmm. she's right back in her bathroom at her birthday party. Um, and nobody knows, everybody else keeps going on like normal, mm-hmm. you know? And she's like, she thinks she's trapped in a dream. She thinks she's going to heaven. Um, and none of that is correct. Um, and you just, you just find out eventually like what is going on. And I'll say that it's about, you know, just how life is um, tough. There can be a lot of shitty things in life, but um, by addressing them and by dealing with our own stuff, it then allows you to help other people. Mm. So it's just, it was a nice reminder of me. It reminded me of our friendship yeah. and like how our stuff is different. Um, Cause you know, I love you. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I love you is because even though our stuff is different, um, our stuff helps my stuff helps me to help you, you know, and, and things that, you know, you come to me with and things that you go through in life and similar, your stuff helps, 
enables you to help me with the things that I come to you with as friends. And we, you know, this thing called life is tough and it is. we get through it together. Yeah. That's basically to me what the show is about. So yeah, watch Russian Doll, y'all. Yeah, I may not, but that sounds cute. Why? Uh, I you know how I, I don't know. Just try it. Okay, we'll try. All right. Um, <laughs> all right, that's it for us this week. Thank you guys for listening. Thank this you. is actually our first official, official, official episode yeah, yeah. with an interview and everything. And this ones. is a real thing. Yeah. And congrats to you. Uh, <laughs> on like putting something out into the world you know i don't know how many people this will reach um and who are to help and who might be just like us and try to figure in this trying to figure this thing out but um it feels good to just like be birthing something new yes. so um you can follow us i actually think you set up a yo business i did twitter. yeah we have a twitter account now y'all yeah. it's uh it's at your business pod. So Y O B U S I N E S S P O D. Yeah. Um, and you can follow me personally on Twitter at JJ McCorvey, J J M C C O R V as in Victor E Y. Um, and on Instagram at J B Fly, J A Y B F L Y. And you can follow me just on Instagram because I don't tweet at A N U C R E A T U R. R-E, a new creature. Um, and I make a mean Instagram story. So yes, she does. She's watch. the queen, y'all. <laughs> Take notes. You're going to want to follow. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.